You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Um, right. Um, uh, my name is Idris. I'm the caretaker for the church. Uh, LifePoint is part of the Elevation Church, which is pastored by Pastor Godman and Bolerwa Caleb. This is a huge honor. If it's the first time of joining us, it's a huge honor to have you here. This is Nat. Nat plays the keyboard during the message. He doesn't play during worship. Um, he played last Sunday. Okay, sorry. He plays during worship once in a while. But uh, this is Nat. Um, what's your girlfriend's name? What? Kome. Very, she around? She's very nice. Very nice girlfriend. So if you're sitting next to Kome, this is her boyfriend. <laughs> Let's get her out of the way. Okay, so Nat can also just focus on my message, right? Now, who's sitting next to Kobe? Who's who P.I. say, tell I love you? Who's that? Who's that? You know. But we haven't done that in a while, have we? We haven't. So it's like, I've been coming to church seven Sundays. No, I love you. How do you go to the house of God? Nobody tells you I love you. All right? If you're sitting beside anybody else apart from my wife. Okay? <laughs> right, but will you please tell the person next to you, tell them God loves you. <laughs> and tell them the pastor said I should tell you. <laughs> that I love you very much. Caleb, be a human being and a Christian. Tell the person next to you, I love you. One guy is telling like five girls, I love you, you two in front. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but we love all of us, all right? All of us. We love all of us. <laughs> you know, this is when the choir, this is when the choir gets alive. When you talk about, I love sex, the choir is alive. God help all of us. <laughs> right. Um, do you know the name of the person sitting next to you? <laughs> In case you want to tweet about the person next to you and how they were reacting to the word of God. Uh, but we've been talking about all of God's children um, a couple of weeks now. And I'd like us to continue that conversation today. Because the Holy Spirit wants to take control of our lives and nurturing us, he wants to bring out the very best. He wants to make the best out of our natural tendencies and inclinations. So I'm not a feeling or an emotion. I'm a spirit. I live in a body. I possess a soul. Okay, when you read, I think it's First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. All right. So when you get saved, your spirit man gets saved. Right. Your body doesn't get saved. If you did not have hair, um, I'm not quite sure whose hair does not have a lot of hair, but if you didn't have hair before you got saved, except it's a miracle, you, when you wake up the next morning, you don't have a whole lot of hair. Right. If you were short or, or not too tall, um, when you get saved, that doesn't change. Right, but God requires, if you read Romans chapter 12, that we will present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So your body, and I explained this one day, I will teach this one day, your body is not the flesh, right? And so when scripture speaks about, uh, you know, combating or fighting against the flesh, it's not necessarily talking about the body, because he asks you to present that body holy and acceptable to God. I tell the person next to you, your body is meant to be holy. Your body is meant to be holy, they have to warm up to this preaching thing. Tell them, I know you were dancing yesterday at the club. <laughs> Tell Pastor Tolu, I don't know. We didn't see him yesterday. I don't know where he was. 
All right. But tell them your body is meant to be holy. Your body is meant to be holy. Um, and he speaks about that which is the renewal of your soul. Uh, your soul, someone is denying, no, I was not at the club. I was at home. Your soul, <laughs> which houses your emotions, your intellect, your will, doesn't change overnight. And, and, and so when we talk about temperaments, we, your temperaments do not change overnight when you get saved. All right. But what the Holy Spirit seeks to do is to take your temperament uh, and take the strengths and use it for God's glory and take what looks like the weaknesses, right? Uh, and he will change that around. So Paul will speak to God about something he says was uh, uh, a challenge in his life. We don't know whether it's in or around his life. But God says to him, hey, would you let me use that which looks like a weakness? He says, in fact, that is the landing place for my grace. So he will say, look, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay? Um, and because I find that sometimes people, uh, we think that when we get saved, everything about us changes. And that is true because the real you changes, but then you will then bring your entire life onto subjection and worship to God. All right? Uh, and so when we have these discussions about temperament, it is part of our worship to God. Okay, when we bring our bodies, we bring them, Bible says, an acceptable worship. You bring your imagination, you bring your thoughts, you bring your temperaments to God as part of your worship. All right. Um, and about how these classifications are done, it's on the basis of how extroverted you are, how introverted you are, uh, and a bunch of other things. Bible says in Daniel that God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that have understanding. Help me look at the person next to you and tell them we are all God's children. We are, we are all God's children. All of us are God's children. Okay? It doesn't matter where you are from. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you do. Right? Be a footballer, IT specialist, an accountant. What else do people do nowadays? Musician. Right? Politician. Okay? Um, we're all God's children. Um, today we have a discussion. We start this discussion about the caveman and the hiding place. Uh, I feel strongly in my heart to, to approach it in a particular way, so I'll do that. Okay? Roman, um, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um... If you have joined Moses in this discussion at this point, you are tempted to think that Moses is just some deeply introverted, cave-dwelling type man, right? Yeah, it's like, this guy's just by himself, you know? Don't he have friends? He's a quiet person. And one of the things that um, I felt as I prepared for this, you know, God wanted me to speak about first was that and when we say caveman or cave hiding, people hide in the cave, we're talking generally of introverted people. Uh, when we talk about introverted people, there are probably two types. The one, melancholic people, and then phlegmatic people. Today we're talking about melancholic people. But he brought to my heart the fact that not everyone who is hiding in a cave, quote-unquote, necessarily is naturally like that. So I want to start from there. Okay? Uh, tell the person, ask the person next to you, are you, are you hiding in a cave? Are you one of those cave people? In fact, the way they respond to the question, 
might give you a hint. The one who's just looking as if you're not talking. Caveman. Right? The one who's not smiling. Okay? The one who is sitting where nobody can even tell them anything. <laughs> um, when man falls, Genesis, one of the first things that happens as they become conscious of sin is that they look for somewhere to hide. Right? And so, uh, as one of the things that the sin consciousness will produce is typically a hiding away from God. Right? So sometimes when people are in a cave, it's actually a little bit more than just even temperament. It's the fact that they are hiding away from God. Okay? So God will say, look, where are you? Right? Um, sometimes tragedy, sorrow, abuse, um, have a way of pushing people to places where they have to hide. If when you were younger, you know, every time they you know, on the playground, they selected people for the football team. Oh, Femi, come. Ah, Femi, you scored good goal yesterday. Come. Shala, come. You know, Toulouse going, ah, choose, choose me now, choose me. And then, you know, they, 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 and I don't know if it happened to anyone that speak to this. Then when they now finish choosing everybody, 5, 5, 6, 6, 7, 11, 11, and then only you left. You want to do referee? <laughs> I kitted up like this to come and do referee. But I forgive all of them. Okay, let me focus on my message, all right? <laughs> because sometimes that is why people go and hide in a cave. Uh, preparing for this uh, specifically dropped in my heart about unresolved emotional issues. For someone, God wants to use you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to show you things to come. He wants to speak to you. But the walls that we have put up to, you know, safeguard ourselves, in fact, so that people do not see all the hurt that we did not cause, is even now preventing God from reaching us. Um, and, and this is important. This is important. Time does not necessarily heal. All right? Time provides a platform for healing to happen. The same way time does not boil an egg. All right? But after a couple of minutes, right? guys, how long does it take for an egg to boil? Guys, 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 will I just, just guys? PFA, you don't know how long. It's okay, I don't know too, it's all right, it's fine. One and a half minutes, not? Like five. <laughs> Smart guy, like approximately below one hour, you know. <laughs> below one hour. But I sense today as we discuss this that God is calling people who are hiding in caves beyond even temperament, he's actually speaking to your heart. And when you read through scripture, it's not strange at all, okay? Uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible says, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountain. Read verse 11. It then speaks about the Spirit of God, the angel appearing unto Gideon. 
And verse 14, he says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I don't know who's in a cave. First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 6, the Bible says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in tickets, in rocks, in holes, in pits. But, but God is summoning you. He's saying, look, can we come into a season of healing? Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 4, the Bible says, And for so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and he hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. So again and again, you see in scripture about people who take up and go and hide. Read through uh, uh, David's story, 1 Samuel 22, I think from verse 1. The Bible says, David departed, therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And so when his brothers and all his father's house heard him, they went down there to him. When you read Moses' story, Exodus 3, 1, that we just read, Moses is not on the backside, away from everybody else, not doing anything, not speaking to anybody apart from just tending this ship. He's not there by, it wasn't his plan. When he was younger, that was not the life that he planned. In fact, it did seem like Moses would go through the cycles because uh, they would hide him. Moses had almost been in hiding from a young age. There was almost always a reason to hide Moses. Yeah, when he was born, they were killing people, so they hid him. They put him in a small ark, put him on the ship. Pharaoh's daughter sees him, uh, and just by God's ordination, they take him, nurse him, goes into Pharaoh's house, almost seemed to be hiding from his own, decides the time of my calling has come, missteps, obviously, and then he's in exile again. Uh, the classic one I like is in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible is speaking about a prophet who is under threat from Jezebel. And so he takes off with all the anointing. And when we join him in 1 Kings 19 and verse 9, the Bible says, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here Elijah. Let me ask the person next to you, are you in a cave? Uh, are you in a cave? All right. Um, for those set of people, before we speak about melancholic people, for those set of people, the word that I had from God for you is very simple. It's uh, replicated twice in scripture. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 20. Uh, and saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. In Exodus chapter 4, God continues this conversation with Moses. He says, Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. And, and that is a specific word to some people in church. I don't know who. So you've lived a very, or an are living a very, um, interestingly introverted life. You are hiding. It's not who you are naturally. right? But you are hiding. Okay? 
and, and not you are, you are restricting yourself from reaching out and being reached. Okay? Um, and God wants to bring a season of healing into our lives. Church says amen. amen. A huge amen. 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 So melancholic people, okay, uh, and just so you know, for full disclosure, there's a significant part of me that's very melancholic, right? Uh, we are the truly sensitive ones, right? Uh, typically very bright, high IQs, you know? <laughs> Mostly like genius type people, right? <laughs> Bless you, sister. <laughs> um... People who are typically in their feelings or in their mind, in their minds, um, focused on the inner workings, all right? Um, it's, it's a set of introverts who spend a lot of time thinking, right? So have learned to create quiet spaces even when they're in noisy places, all right? Uh, melancholic people will go into a room and look for the most quiet place in the room, okay? Um, it's interesting because that also makes us prone to being very romantic, right? <laughs> sure, I, don't, I don't see why that's funny, but it's okay. I'll just, just continue. But we're very romantic, very idealistic, Right. It's a melancholic person who, when they fall in love with you, you know that you've entered something. You know, <laughs> you, you know that some, you know that, because they're the ones who would, you know, wake you up, yeah, you know, by 5 a.m. in the morning, singing at your window. <laughs> they're the ones who go and look for Shakespeare. Like, who listens, who, who, who listens to Shakespeare? You know, <laughs> anymore. There are those kind of people. They are the wannabe deep people, <laughs> um, and sometimes also deep people. Okay, the choleric people. Ah, you know, I love you now. Don't you love me? <laughs> I love you. If you don't respond by twelve, I'm going to move on. My life is not. I don't have time for all this. I think Chinaya uh, in the choir also likes me, so. Let's move on. We can build a life together. I love you. I've looked at you where your life is. I love you. You know, the sanguine person is just all bubbly. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. Smiles, you know. Melancholic people, deep speeches. And they call you. I just want to talk to you. And then for 30 minutes, they're explaining to you how, with the reason they love you, how the love they have for you is very special. Um, typically don't pay a lot of attention to uh, lots of people and lots of external stimulation. Are fine by themselves. Are fine by themselves. They, they like our church. It's dark. <laughs> this is my type of church. No light. <laughs> Except when the pastor says, turn to, they say, no, he's not he's spoiling it. Turn to who? I came here to hide. Leave me in my cave. Uh, very analytical people, 
uh, however, that in itself can turn to being very critical because it can take an idea and dimension it in all sorts of ways. Interestingly, uh, uh, sometimes become very risk aware. Yeah, very risk aware. So it's what can go wrong with this? If you're not, if you don't uh, uh, manage it, probably don't forget what I say. The Holy Spirit will take the strength of our temperament and by the fruit of the Spirit seek to strengthen our weaknesses. All right. Um, if we haven't felt it, then we ain't doing it. If we haven't taught it through, then we ain't doing it. And of course, you know, uh, this, you know, predisposes melancholic people to being fairly moody. Right? Being fairly moody. Um, Colleague people tend to wake up in the morning and just jump out. You know? Uh, just jump. They might not be, they don't, they, they, they're not processing their emotions. They just know something needs to be done. It's Monday. You need to go to work. Sanguine people, they wake up, they're just praising the Lord. Always a good day. Yeah, nobody's wondering, is that person high again? Why? Why? The many people wake up and they just start trying to explain to themselves, why is it Monday? <laughs> but you know that. Um, while people who are extroverted, right, uh, seem to sometimes get all the shine, as it were, I think it's Paul, as he talks about the body of Christ, that begins to encourage us to say sometimes the parts of the body that are not as visible are sometimes just as important or even more important. Okay, so the fact that a melancholic person is not as obvious or shouty doesn't change their importance in the body of Christ. I mean, if you take your own human body uh, and we ask you, you know, God forbid you have to trade, but say that this is your ears that are so nice, you know, um, and, and you know, that's very obvious. If you compare, they're very important until you understand that part of your body you cannot see, like your liver. Hopefully, you've never seen your liver. Okay? But you then understand that the parts of the body you've hidden, that God has hidden away, are just as important or even more important. I mean, uh, if, if the parts of the body had a meeting and got upset, you know, and let's say your kidney was complaining, see how much time she spends on her, on her, on her eyelashes. What are eyelashes? What, what do they contribute to her life? You now buy, I don't, well, I don't know, I'm thinking, I know people now you know, buy stuff, they trim it, they, they put extra things on it. Right? I, your eyebrows, yes, your eyebrows. And, and I know it makes you look nicer, but you do know in the scheme of things that the kidney doesn't, that you cannot see. Right? That is lack of a better word, introverted, is 10,000 times more valuable. We can take off all your eyebrows. Yes, you may look a bit odd. <laughs> but I suspect you will probably be in a better place than if we took one kidney or just one liver away. So the fact that we cannot see or the fact that it's not as obvious does not change its significance. 
one of the things that we're emphasizing over this couple of weeks as we teach is that there are no inferior temperaments. The fact that you are disposed to be quiet does not mean you are of any less relevance to God. How do, let's talk about our walk with God, okay? Um, I mean, last week when we spoke about sanguine, sanguine people, we said one of the things that happens is that they need to anchor their focus and attention when it comes to spiritual disciplines because they're very highly uh, distracted. On the other hand, with melancholic people, the building of focus, the generating of focus is a strength, right? Uh, Exodus chapter 24, 34, verse 28, the Bible is speaking about Moses and said, so there he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And I was reading this and I was like, so Moses was just there on the mountain by himself? I think he went with, uh, went with Joshua, right? But just by himself for 40 days. Ah, a colleague person would say, after a while, or, well, I don't know why we're here for this long. Because if we spend 40 days of the entire year, the year is almost gone. Why don't we break it down to sessions? Five days, I go down, do something. Because they want to do something. A sanguine person is not going to take that. It can't 40 days. Just imagine for Lucia somewhere, one place, 40 days. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. A melancholy person is like, God, I'm here forever. You know? <laughs> I'm here forever. And so it's, it's useful when building spiritual disciplines. It's people like John who are on an island by themselves. You read Revelations chapter 1. And by themselves. And then in the midst of that isolation are getting revelation. You're like, just by themselves. Very few other people or temperaments can take that kind of situation. Um, because melancholic people will think very deeply, uh, will process things very deeply, they are rarely satisfied with religion. Rarely. They, you don't just tell them, uh, this is like this. So when the Mecca was sharing his God experiences, I prayed, uh, I asked God for, for uh, some strange alert. It came. You know, the colleague people and the melancholy, they are shouting, yes, God did it. The melancholy like, it's a lie. <laughs> Call his bank. By the way, I think it was, uh, I think it was, it's his employer that has responded to God. He's paying him. Okay? Just to help you understand that story. His employer has paid him twice. I think, I don't, Mecca is coming to know that. All right? The things which, and, and so walking with God, spiritual disciplines come easy. However, you would find that because we are super analytical, that we are constantly questioning. And one of the things, in my experience at least, that I find is that we're questioning God's love. We're questioning our place in the body. We're questioning, has God forgiven us? Uh, so when you, when you see someone who is always thinking again, over and over again, do I really belong to this body? 
And what happens is that we think ourselves to a place where we're typically sad. It's because your brain, when the Bible talks about God, in, I think it's in Ephesians chapter 3, he says the love of God that passes human understanding. In Philippians, I think it's 4, he says the peace of God that passes understanding. In fact, one time I said there must be also joy that passes understanding. But that is difficult for a melancholic person to deal with because he's not been able, he or she's not been able to reduce it to their mind. And so after, you know, we can't figure it out, can't figure it out, we get upset, we get sad. We, we go back into, into the cave. And that's why one of the things that's priority for people who are typically melancholic is the cultivation of the fruit of joy. It's a matter of priority. The sanguine people bring their joy to the party. The Holy Spirit said, let me give you joy. I said, no, don't you understand? I, I got joy myself. That's my middle name, Holy Spirit. I, br I bring joy to the party. But with melancholic people, you, <laughs> you have to. I remember somebody, an aunt, an auntie of mine, asking me once, you know, because she was very excited about something that's happened. I, I, I had brought the news to her. And she came back to me later and was like, ah, is it so-so-and-so news you're just telling me so calmly? You know, there was no... My mind was like, ah, number one, it's not my news. <laughs> number two, is that I had finished thinking it through. So, 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 if I tell you what it was, it was like, yeah, right, it's a much younger. This is before mobile phones and all that. Her brother, it wasn't news, her brother was calling her from, I think, America. Yeah, that's what it was. And people, you, we can't deal with this because you, we all got phones and WhatsApp and everything. You can email straight... In those days, to call you from America was a big deal. They had to call early in the morning, late at night, but it's okay. And so I picked up the phone, hello, hello, who's this? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Um, hi, auntie, your brother from da, da, da. I know she died. Whoa! Picked up the phone, and then she came back later. Said, <laughs> Is it an international call? And she, she really meant this. Because the way I calmly delivered it from your brother on the phone, But the cultivation of the fruit of joy. Ask the people who try to take me photographs. I do not like photographs. Vanity upon vanity. <laughs> vanity. The worst thing apart from photographs is taking photographs of adults cutting cakes. <laughs> and as God will help me, till we go to heaven, that will not happen. Amen. But then, so we take photographs and it says smile. And I don't you see the hypocrisy in what we are doing? <laughs> I am not smiling. If I was smiling, you wouldn't have to tell me smile. It says smile. I'm not smiling. Just take the photograph. If it's not good, maybe we shouldn't be taking the photograph in the first place. God is saying, come out of your cave. <laughs> but when it comes to dealing with God, because the Bible says with joy, we will draw out of the wells of salvation. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because God knows that part of the Christian work will be lived by people in modern day Lagos, 2018. And if you don't have joy in Lagos, hmm, my brother. And I'm not joking, I'm serious. This city is not set up. You know, there's some cities you go to in the world. As you come down, they're greeting you on the road. 
you know, hello, hello, you form accent. Hello, hi, hi. In Lagos, when they greet you on the road, you're worried. You go back home. You're like, it's something suspicious. Maybe it's kidnappers or something. Tell the person next to you. Tell them, cultivate some joy. Cultivate some, some joy. Tell the other person, you can be happier than this, you know. You can be happier than this. The Holy Spirit seeks to bring forth fruit in your life. The Holy Spirit will ask melancholic people to use gratitude as essentially what I call a, a fertilizer for faith. Because the challenge with thinking so much, so deeply, is that sometimes we miss out the blessings of God. We, it's, it's, we, we consider too many things and we miss out the blessings of God. My wife is relatively melancholic. Yeah, and so, and by the way, you do know that all the things we're talking about is essential because um, I would teach a message called the you know talking about beauty at the end of this and just talk about how God puts beauty together in the human life. But when you choose someone to walk with, someone to marry, sometimes even someone to live beside, a roommate, I beg you, would you let God show you their temperament? When you marry, when, so I, I've counseled before, two choleric people want to marry. <clears throat> I'm counseling. One day I just called the daughter. I said, See, this one's not in the silver box. I have to tell you. I'm not joking. In fact, they're in this church. I, I, and they just had a baby. They had a baby. They had a baby. Damola called me. Sorry, Damola. I always share your partner's name so you don't know who you are. But he called me the other day. They just had a baby two days ago. God is faithful. All right? But I had to call them. I said, Eh. I don't call the wife. I know you're not. And they said, ah, two of you, the way you're going, hmm, hmm. <laughs> you are both very choleric. They, if you see, you know, when the husband says one, the girl will say one. Will say, ah. Strong opinions. Nobody is shifting. I, I'm not, I'm just serious. I said to them, it's not in the syllabus of what I'm teaching you for counseling, but since you say it's God that has called you together, you're in love, then you have to understand that you will fight in this home. And so you have to learn how to, biblical principles for fighting. And we went through that. <laughs> I'm not joking, because it's two choleric people. If you see two sanguine people marry, even from the wedding day, you would know. They're dancing, you know. But I don't know how two melancholic people would see each other and marry. It's possible because God works, and sometimes we are more than just one. Not sometimes we are actually more than just one temperament. But I'm saying, would you look out for? When someone wants to hire you at work, as you're talking in the interview, ask them questions too. Small, polite questions. Because if you work for a choleric boss, all they care about is something is, it happens. It doesn't matter, all the staff can be dead. <laughs> Say we have a goal. A sanguine person, just everybody, as far as everybody's happy, doesn't matter. No work is getting done. Now, gratitude, right? Gratitude is something that a, san, a, a, a melancholic person, introverted people, need to let the Holy Spirit teach us. Otherwise, we will keep on missing what God is doing in our lives. 
put in my note that the first person an introvert or a melancholic person needs to open up to is God. Is God. Because sometimes, by practice, natural tend, you have built up all sorts of caves, all sorts of walls around your soul. The Bible says he's the one with whom we have to do before whom all things are made manifest. I was telling someone last week how that if you tell a sanguine person your secrets, you, 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 you might have made a mistake. Because their heart is good, or they don't want to tell anybody. In fact, as they're telling your secret, they would then say, I don't want you to, they actually say I shouldn't tell anybody, but because you are my friend. I just want to tell you that, Ejiro, ah, <laughs> but you will keep it, you will keep the secret. And because sanguine person knows a lot of people, 50 people know your story confidentially. <laughs> confidentially. So when you're even berating them, why did you tell this person? He said, but I told them confidentially. I told them not to tell anybody. And they tell you boldly. A melancholic person will keep your secret to the grave. They can be torturing them. Mm. <laughs> the challenge is that we also think as melancholic people that we can keep secrets from God. So we think God does not know. But preparing for this, I began to realize that I sense God is asking some people who are in caves. He's saying, look, would you let us, me, you and God, deal with this long, outstanding, emotional issue that you think I'm unaware of? Okay? He says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. The sanguine people have like five, well, well, don't tell me people have no doors. Everything is open. Door, window, roof. Everything is open, you know? Melancholic people not only have a door, a security door, fence, armor tank. God said, I am knocking. <laughs> Say, who are you? <laughs> the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul speaking about the church in Macedonia. It says, they gave themselves not as we thought. It says, but they gave themselves first to God and then to us. And so while... Melancholic people can create focus, introverted people can create focus, helps with spiritual disciplines. The issue is that, is it your voice that you are hearing? Uh, dealing with self-condemnation? It's first John where he begins to say, look, come, sometimes even our own hearts will condemn us. He says, but God is greater than our hearts. And, and so I said to people, would you let God be the king of your heart? Will he let him be the one who reigns supreme? Because melancholic... So it takes a while for extroverted people to even realize what they are feeling or thinking. And even then they're like, mm, it's a feeling. For introverted people, especially melancholic people, the feeling is it. It's, I can feel it. Every other thing you are saying, today feels like Saturday. It doesn't matter what you else you say. Can God himself become your hiding place? In Psalm 61, uh, the psalmist says, From the end of the earth, I will say to you, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. 
How do melancholic people work for God? Again, it's fantastic because God is able to use such people as teachers. He will give them a deep understanding of principles, of times, of seasons. And it's amazing. So they can grasp concepts. Right? They, they can master skills. They, they have the patience to become perfectionists. Right? I find it's, it's when you look at people who learn how to play instruments and all that. I remember a guy, I said to him, AJ, he was in university, I said to him, oh, I would like to play the keyboard, right? And he more or less said no. And I was like, I was like why? You know, if you play the keyboard, you know, the ladies like you, you know, you're obvious in church. I said no. And his point to me, right, was that this requires patience and practice and attention. And anybody who plays this, they will tell you, it's not as easy, but they're just pressing the thing. No. You go over and over and over again. And so when it comes to things that need an orientation for detail, this part of the body owns it. Owns it. Uh, the, the one thing, and I think typically Josh, Jonah is our go-to person is, however, a lot of melancholic people are held back by the need for constant analysis of what it is God wants them to do. Jonah is my go-to person because God says to Jonah, hey, Jonah, I want to destroy this city. Would you please go and speak to them, prophesy, and tell them, you know, they've been bad. And I'm going to destroy it. The Bible says, so this is what happens. Jonah says, Oh, Lord, I hear you, and I think the city has been bad. But then Jonah begins to think, I will go. I will preach. These people might repent. If they repent, God will forgive them. If God forgives them, I will not look like a false prophet or a bad person. Anyway, shut up. I would have wasted my time. God, I'm not going. And read Jonah 1. That is exactly the story. And then Jonah heads off in a totally different direction. And so God is having this conversation with Jonah. Well, Jonah, where are you going? He said, I, I'm not going to Nineveh. Why? The guy has processed the whole thing in his mind and has decided already, this is how it's going to pan out. It's not going to be good for me. I'm not going. And the Bible says in Jonah 1, chapter 5, then the mariners, the shepherds, were afraid. And each man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. You are in a boat. He had looked for where to hide, even in a boat. The darkest, the, the lowest part had lain there and he was fast asleep. There was a storm going on. He didn't care. He, he wasn't aware. The Bible says in verse, so they threw him aboard. They threw him overboard when they found out he was the one running from God. Because he couldn't process in his mind what God wanted to do. He said, I'm not doing this. And of course, you know the story by verse 17, as they threw him into the sea, the Bible says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. And you know, what makes it better is that Jonah eventually repents, calls on to God, prays, God delivers him. He then goes to the city, he preaches to the people, 
they repent. Jonah vexes. And so verse 4 of the book of Jonah, you see this melancholic guy sitting down outside the city. The Bible says he sits outside the city to see what will happen. He said, because I told you, this is what I was telling God from the start. You are sending me to preach to people. They will repent. You, you are loving God. You will love them. Then I will not look bad. I was telling you before, I don't want to do this type of work. I don't want to do, and then God, God is very dramatic. God, you know, huge plant, shade over his head. So he's like, oh my God, there's a huge sun, but a fantastic sun in Lagos. A couple of days. Oh, great. And then God takes that shade away. Then Jonah vexes again. And God says, but how can you be concerned about shade for yourself? But you don't permit me to change my mind for those people. Melancholic people, sometimes like, I'm not going, Lord. I can see it. I don't want to serve in church. When you serve in church, Lord, eh, you know what happens. That's how you'll be serving now. You're serving now. One girl will just come. Young, small girl, say because we're our brothers in Christ. will talk to me anyhow. I don't want that kind of embarrassment, Lord. I don't want it. And you know me, I used to have temper before. Before you saved me. They will not be serving. Then she will treat me anyhow. I will not vex. Then they will not say, I'm, I'm not, I'm a carnal Christian. Lord, no, let's leave it alone. Let's leave it alone. So a melancholy person will come to church, smile, sit down, hide under the dark, go. Don't want to do anything. Because in their minds, they can see how, they can't grasp the perfect picture yet. They can't grasp the perfect picture. So many ideas, no execution. So many ideas. They can think of how this country can be better. We'll do it like this, like this, like this, like this. But they will typically not act until they can get perfect results. So I tell the person next to you, tell them, come out of your cave. Come out of your cave. Tell them you are precious to us. Come out of your cave. <laughs> Come out of your cave. I don't know who God has sent with a message for someone. I know it's not perfect. I know you don't think it will be perfect. But would you come out of your cave? Because God has been trying to tell the sanguine person the message. But they are dancing. They are dancing. He's afraid that if he tells the choleric people, that the attitude with which they would tell this message, because the collective person enters Nineveh, he's just shouting, you are all dead. All of you dead. You, 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 dead. You know? The guys don't even have space for repentance. <laughs> you've not seen a cleric person counseling before. Even the people that came for counseling would not be saying, it's okay, sir. Uh, <laughs> Matter what I even came for, sir. It's not really as serious as no. Have you seen sister talk about counseling before? <laughs> you read five chapters in the morning, five chapters in the afternoon, five chapters in the evening. Are you, you're not writing this down. It's a matter of life, and that's how you know. <laughs> and we love you to bits. <laughs> so when you finish reading that five chapters, you will now take Kenneth Higgins books three. You read in the morning. You're not following me. Give me your phones. Bring all your phones. <laughs> A sanguine person will be counseling you. The issue that you brought to them, they've not taught it. Don't worry. It'll be all right. God loves you. I love you too. But what of the matter? Don't worry about the matter. <laughs> and, but because melancholic people have, have capacity to think. It's just to make sure that we do not employ that thinking against ourselves. 
Because uh, to be honest, melancholic people are some of the most self-critical people you could ever find. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Because when God says, I love you, melancholic people say, hey, that's because he's God. He has to love you. But if you really look at yourself properly, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Tell the person next to you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell me, you're a great person. You're a great person. If I tell the other person that if I was not in love already, <laughs> then I, would, I could love you, but, but, I, but I'm, I'm occupied. Caleb is happy. I've not seen Caleb so happy during this message. He's really happy. He's really happy. I didn't say tell them I love you. I heard that. All right. Of course, naturally, when it comes to their work with the rest of the body of Christ, the challenge for melancholic people is the fact that they cannot understand why we have to be together. No. There's one person in our church, no names. Anytime you're leading prayer, if you don't annoy her, just say, hold hands. <laughs> I've even caught the person, said person, hiding in the multimedia booth before, doing a prayer meeting where they were, after I think they didn't want, hold hands, and then they left. I think after a while, she just went to hide this. Before they say we should hold hands again. And they can't just understand, look, where we are, eh? It's a personal walk. You know, all this talk to your neighbor. Okay, just hold your neighbor's hands. You will feel, you'll see now. Just hold your neighbor's hands and tell them, I'm here for you. <laughs> you can see them, people like, no way. Some people have held three people, like, bring it together. Like, people, like, they've warned you. From, the way they even eyed you, touch my hands. You will understand. <laughs> They can't understand why we're, what is together thing? What does, why? 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 That the ones who can be upset, they would join, put them on WhatsApp groups. By the third day, like, my God, what have I entered? (laughs) But when scripture describes our faith, it's, he keeps on, this phrase, we together, all together, it says, we all with unveiled faces. 2 Corinthians 3, I think that's 18. Beholding us in a glass. When he describes our perception of God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, he says that you may comprehend along with all the sense what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says he made us alive. Us all. I keep saying to people that Sometimes we don't understand this, but there are depths of knowledge in God that you will not come to by yourself. So Paul will say, we know in parts, we prophesy in parts, and your membership of the body guarantees that you would find the other parts that you do not know. God does not send any man by himself alone with no need for the other. That was Rambo. Yeah? And you know how those movies went. They killed his wife, his children. Then you see the guy, he carries five guns, grenades on one side, bazooka on the other, black face. Then he goes and kills a thousand people. And we are all cheering. But we know it's a movie, because that is not life. This, your solo something, is not life. There is stuff you are carrying, caveman, that is meant for the other people. In fact, God, this man is praying about it. He said, look, he says, do not let the cave determine your calling. Yeah? 
For someone, the fact that you're in a cave, you're comfortable, you've even put AC in your cave, satellite dish, everything, you are good all by yourself. You are happiest when you are at home by yourself. But God said, that is not your calling. It might be your place of comfort, but it's not your calling. Tell the person next to you, tell them, come out of your cave. Come out of your cave. Come out of your cave. In fact, there used to be that rhyme when we're younger. It says, who is in the garden? <laughs> so, is that a posh school rhyme or was it like a... Do we know it? Not you know it. You're trying to remember. I have... <laughs> it's a Sunday. I have an appropriate shade for that, but it's a Sunday. Uh, but it says, who is in the garden? Come on, church. You know it. You're trying to figure out, is it for poor school? Should I say it? I think I didn't go for poor school. But let's try it. So who is in the garden? Hey, hey, you all know it. What were you pretending? We that went to Corona and other schools, we didn't know this. This was when... I didn't go to Corona, by the way. Please, let's stop that. I went to federal staff school in Benin. And it continues. It says, Can, may we see her? And it says... No, 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 no. Then, ah, no, that's not following me. That's, that's not what it, How does it go? How does it end? No, 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 no. Then it says, that's how you used to say it. I will not tell you how you say it in Benin. <laughs> it doesn't sound, that's follow me. It's not the way we, there's something we used to say before, but it's very, now I think about it, it's a bit ras. And <laughs> But there is stuff that God has put in you and you've put in your cave. And God is saying, would you please come out? Would you let me, would you open the door for me first? Would you open the door for me first? Would you let me walk in? Would you let us talk? Melancholic people deeply, once I finish preaching in about two minutes, we we'll tell the person next day, I'm coming, I have to use the bathroom. They say, lie. They're in their car. They're not running anywhere. They don't have any appointment. They just want, that this one you not by mistake, end the service and people will not be saying hi. No, it doesn't happen. So they can be in this church for seven months. Nobody will know them. We're different. We're not divided. We're different. We are not divided. The Bible says, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, and I end here, it says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knits together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. The Holy Spirit wants to work with all his children. There is not, not one child of God that doesn't have a place in the body. And, you know, there's all sorts of beautiful things that come from introverted people. If you've ever read Susan Cain's book, a book called Quiet, it's amazing how many inventions come from the place of quietness. It's amazing how many songs you know when God is sharing ideas on the earth, he doesn't typically doesn't give it to one person. He shares it across the earth. But a number of extroverted people are typically just too busy. 
two sets of prayers this morning. One prayer is for those who are in caves. And this is more than just even a question of your temperament. It's a question of the fact that you have hidden your life away from everybody else. You've put up a facade. You've put up a mask. But God says, you cannot come to me with that mask. He says, in fact, that mask has worked for the season of life that you are, but that you need to get to a place where you can be vulnerable then with people. Maybe with a few trusted people. And then with the body of Christ. But you cannot continue to hide. Why? Like he says to Jesus' parents and then to Joseph or to Moses, those who sought the life of the child are now dead. So as we pray first, it's a different conversation I sense for different people. But I would like us to, you know, uh, to, to say to God, Lord, I'm going to open the door. Maybe open a window first. Maybe open a window first. The Bible says the, uh, the ark had been submerged, was in water, I mean, there was water, and then Noah would test, you know, he would send out a bird. He would find, look for landing space. If the bird came back, if the bird came back with a leaf, he knew that the waters had receded. For someone, you need to do that. And so, I'll ask that we just, you know, in a minute or so, just pray. Uh, Follow me, I'd like us to worship for a minute or two. But I, I, I think the phrase in my heart is that certain people have to come to do deals with God this morning. I don't know what it is, what deal you have to do with God. But certain people have deals that God wants them to make this morning. God says, I know you are in a cave. He says, but your calling's on the outside. So we have to strike a deal. We have to, we have to agree something. So why don't, where you are, why don't you just shut your eyes, if, if you can, or if you want, you don't mind, and just talk to God. He's the one with whom you have to do. Okay? Enough of the isolation. Enough of the isolation. And he, God is proud of the fact that you're quiet. He's proud of the fact that you're introverted. For he says, I made you for a purpose. So someone, would you say, Lord, I'm opening a window? Someone says, I'm opening a door. I don't know what that means to you and in your experience. Someone says, I'm letting down my guard. Someone says, I'm inviting. I don't know what it is, but what deal does God require you to make so that Jesus will find room for expression in your heart and your life. Someone, you have no friends as we speak. You have no friends. You have no friends. You have one friend, another person. God says, you are the light of the world. Who lights a candle, hides it under the bushel? It says, that's not what I do. Bring it out. It says, put it on a stand that it may give light to all around. It says, would you let me be your cave and your hiding place? Yes, I knew you went into a cave because your father shouted at you. I knew you went into a cave because someone abused you. He says, but I am the one who is your reward, your shelter, your hiding place. Your rock of ages, your protector. Yes, I will. 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 Yes, I will.
Can we pray for healing all over this place? Can we pray for healing? Rakama Hindus, Lopanda, Makapo, Shantara. I am chosen. I am chosen. I am chosen. Someone needs to make a deal with God. I am who you say I am chosen. I am chosen, I am who you say I am. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Beauty for us. Oil of joy for body. I am. I am chosen. Who told you you wouldn't be happy? Who told you you wouldn't laugh again? I am who you say I am. to minister to someone's heart. God says the walls are they're too high. Says we, can't, we can't see your light. The walls are too high. They're too high. Just pray in the spirit if you can. Just pray in the spirit. He says those who were looking to kill the child. He says I have sought them out. I have taken care of them. Rebo shana panda makalaba rebragadash. Rebo kana makalaba rebragadash. For someone, it was a particular issue. It was a loss of a loved one. It was a hot, a heartbreak. You shut down. You nailed the world. You put plaques. You closed the windows. You shut down. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the light. They said, if you had come when it happened, he says, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. He says, when I show up, it is fine. John 5, 25. He says, the time has come and is now when those that are dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. He says, and those who hear it will live again. We prophesy healing. We prophesy life. We prophesy healing. We prophesy life. The waters have receded. Noah, it's okay to open the doors of the ark again. God has put a song within you. He's put a point within you. A book within you. A smile within you. Life within you. Life within you. Won't you share? Yeah. It takes more than the children of men that they call the parents. They both so told. Barrett. I am who you 
what men said about you which man said about you but would you worship God as one who we create the Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on to do good works so you are not a mystic no, 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 you are not a failed attempt you are not done, no, not at all not at all not at all, we just lift our hands and just worship him all over this place it might not even be something you're used to but would you just worship him just lift those hands and just worship him just worship him because God wants you to worship him it's your breath 
to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.